Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Izzy Moore, soulful singer and conscious hip-hop artist. And I'm here at the Verbally Effective Podcast, hanging out with the one and only, my girl, Ina Esco. What's good? It's Big Sue, and I'm hanging out with my girl, Ina Esco. We're going to chop it up about everything. You hear me? Everything on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Exact Tax Prep is an independently owned tax preparation company specializing in preparing and electronically filing federal and state income tax returns for individuals and small businesses. Contact Email Sagi Jr. with the Exact Tax team to provide you with the top of the line tax strategies. By educating clients on new and existing tax laws, Emil's goal is to ensure that you make the right financial decision. Contact Email Sagi Jr. today at 901-752-9152 or email ESIGEE at EDXACTTAXPREP.com. Welcome to the Verbally Effective Podcast. I'm your host, your double E, Ina Esco. Uh, you know this is the podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with the movers and shakers in Memphis. And I'm so excited today because my good friend is joining me. He's out there in San Francisco, California right now, but he is visiting right now. I am talking about none other than Mr. Marcus Washington. He is an Emmy Award-winning journalist. He used to be an associate producer over there at WREG. Do you remember that, ladies and gents? He's currently the morning anchor at NBC's Bay Area in San Francisco, California. What's up, Marcus? Yo, yo, I'm like, Marcus, I don't look on Facebook. When are you gonna when are you visiting? When are you coming? Do you come to Memphis often? I do not. You know, I, I wish I would come home longer, but it just takes forever coming from the Bay Area. Um getting here. It it takes anywhere from six to seven hours. Six to eight wow, hours. Yeah, that's like a I have left flight. as early as eight in the morning and I didn't get to Memphis until nine. No mind you were two hours behind, but still. Wow. It's, there's no straight flights. Oh so. my gosh. So how did it feel to hit the ground in Memphis? Oh man. It always feels good to get yes. home. I got home Wednesday. It's I, this is an early flight. I left uh I left San Jose, so I live uh in San Jose. Mm. Um and I left at what, like ten twenty, and I got here at like six. Mm-hmm. That was early for me. Early, early. and you know what? It's funny you mentioned San Jose. I used to work for a company that was headquartered in San Jose, California, and I would used to love going to San Jose. Do you love it? I, you know what? Yes and no. I, I love I love it because of the weather. It's uh it's warm, but there's no humidity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's movers and shakers when it comes to tech world. That is Silicon Valley. Zoom is literally right around the corner from me. Wow. Uh, it's the next street over from where I live. Um, and then you've got you know Facebook not too far. Google's there. Mm-hmm. I work across the street from um 
one of those companies. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> one of those tech <laughs> but, but companies. All right there. So um, <laughs> it, it's really cool to to live in that area, the Bay Area. A lot of people don't know because a lot when I said Bay Area, like where is that? Mm-hmm. Bay Area is San Francisco, Oakland. In San Jose, the three major cities okay. within that. But then you have Palo Alto, which you probably heard from Facebook mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's it's a huge area. Then you have Napa, which mm-hmm. is wine country, if you've ever been to the mm-hmm. area. So it, all of that is a part of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, a that lot That is of, your home now. That is home. It's been my home for almost five years. Five years. Five years. And, and you know what? It's interesting because when I first moved there, I when I was first told about the opportunity, I was like, San Francisco. Cause, you know, Sarah, not, that was your immediate response. Like, you know, like, look, when you work in TV news, mm-hmm. making it to a place like San Francisco, it's a top 10 market mm-hmm. in the country. People, you know, want to work in places like that. And I and I did. Mm-hmm. But I was like, ooh, I don't know how they're going to like me. You know, oh, you know, wow. you know, I don't know, you know, and, and I because, I, you know, the thing about it, it's a very diverse area, it is. but there are not a lot of black people there. Mm. And, what's, the, what's like the population of black people? Oh, it's like percentage. less than it's like what three percent or Shut something like that. Yeah, up market. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's like I around it's that. around three percent. Yeah, it's 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 or maybe seven at the most, but it's it's mm. not even ten percent. Well, you're moving and shaking out there. Well, you know, I'm doing what I can. You know, I'm from Memphis, so that's how we do it, baby. You know, right? And you're from Memphis. Tell everybody with the verbally effective audience what part of Memphis. From, from Memphis, Orange Mound. Are you Orange? It's Orange Mound night. Orange Mound, baby. That's where I'm from. The mound. Um, yeah, over there. Uh, if you know where Sims and Park. Yes. I live one street over on Carson Street. That's where I grew up. Lived my whole life there wow. uh, until I left. Yeah. Mm. Or, you know, University of Memphis. And um, But then, yeah, I lived there my whole life. My family's from that area. My grandfather mm-hmm. uh, moved, his family moved from Mississippi. Uh, he went to Marrow's. Mm-hmm. My mother and father graduated from Marrow's. Wow. Uh, I graduated from White Station, so. I like, <laughs> and you? No. Okay, but White yeah. Station. Wow. So, yeah. okay, Orange Mound. Um, when I saw your bio, I saw that uh, growing up, you were a big fan of the news, uh, mm-hmm. Joe Birch. Yes, Joe Birch. I love Joe Birch. The Joe Birch the... living legend. <laughs> Joe I love that Birch. Man. So yeah. I used to watch him literally and wanted to do that. I remember Joe Birch, and if, if you're from Memphis, Joe Birch, Brenda Wood, she also worked in, uh, retired recently uh, from in Atlanta, so if you know her from that. But uh, I remember watching them, and I just thought he was just like the coolest dude ever. Mm-hmm. He had that thick hair, you mm, know. <laughs> real thick yeah, and you know? dark. And, um, and I just remember watching him all the time, and I remember as a kid, and I, I, I say it was around five, but I'm, I'm not really sure. But I remember saying, I do vividly remember saying, Mom, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what that meant. But I knew I wanted to do what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And and over the years, you know, I did, like, I guess most kids, you know, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a college professor because I had an uncle who was a professor. You know, all those kind of things. But it always went back to news. I mean, I was that kid who would get in trouble in school for talking all the time. Oh, yeah. You were <laughs> ready. You were staying ready. Yeah, you know, so so it was one of those things. I remember running into uh, one of my fourth, my fourth grade teacher at a wedding of one of my classmates. And she was like, I remember you. You used to talk all the time, right? <laughs> and I said, yeah. She was like, what are you doing now? I said, I'm a news anchor. <laughs> I get paid to do it, baby. <laughs> I get paid to talk now. <laughs> wow. So you went to University of Memphis. University of Memphis. And so you majored in yeah. community. There. I w- walked through Broadcast. the door, knew what I wanted to do. Okay. Uh, so I remember walking over to the journalism building, uh, taking the journalism test, mm-hmm. uh, passing on my first time, thank God. Amen. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> and, and taking the courses. But my road was not an easy one, and okay. it was partially my fault. You okay, know. tell me about it. So, you know, um, I did 
great things. I was, you know, very energetic and uh, went there and was doing well. And then I, I met this amazing thing in my life called Kappa Psi. Oh! <laughs> so, you know, um, so, you I know, know, I you know. know. So that was, so things went a little, when you yeah. got involved with you know, you know I was, the I, was, I was, you know, instead of in the library, I was at step practice, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out with my brothers and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, having a great time. I don't regret anything about that because it, it really did teach me a lot. I was mm-hmm. I remember um, in the, a couple of classes, two of my journalism classes, one was um, shooting, which is the camera, which I don't do anymore. But, you know, mm-hmm. we had to learn how to do that. And it was uh, news writing the first time I took it. And I remember my teacher in news writing. She says, you know, Marcus, you, you're doing good, but I think you would benefit from taking this class again. And I was passing, mm. but it was like maybe a C. And mm-hmm. she said, I think you would benefit from taking class again. And that, you know, who wants to take a class again? Right. And so I swallowed my pride mm-hmm. and I actually took the class again, aced the class in the editing class, aced shooting, editing, edit, aced that class as well. Mm-hmm. And um, But what it taught me was that, you know, things don't always go the way you want them to go at the first time. Exactly. But if you truly do want to do that, you will, mm-hmm. you will, you know, suck up your pride and do it again. Mm-hmm. And so, and, you know, and that, and that made me a better writer. It made me a better shooter. I understand editing a lot more mm-hmm. because I did that. And, and I don't regret that at all. Yes. Tell me about your first television gig. My first television gig. Okay. So I, I started my first, well, I guess the first one actually was at WREG. Yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> here in Memphis, so, um, at the University of Memphis, you get you have to do an internship before you graduate. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of people would go to, you know, Fox 13 here, WRD, WMC. So all the stations here. Um, and for some reason, I wanted to go to Channel 3. It, it was a station I was starting to watch. I, did, I grew up watching Channel 5, but then I wanted to do Channel 3. And I remember before my interview, I emailed five of the news reporters there mm-hmm. just saying like, hi, you know, my name is Marcus. I, I'm, I'm looking to do an internship there and I would love to work with you because I watched them. I, tr- mm-hmm. I truly did. And I went and did my interview, got the internship. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because one of my college professors used to work at Channel 3 mm-hmm. and she said, Marcus, you're already creating a buzz. Like people okay. are talking about who is this guy, Marcus, oh, that's wow. coming. You made so, an impression. Yeah. So I made an impression during my internship and something that you want to happen during my internship. I remember, uh, Watched all Mike Matthews. Mm-hmm. You remember him? Uh, I think he's still on TV here. But, he um, is. Yeah. So <laughs> he, I was supposed to go out with him and go out on the story. So uh, during your internship, you're able to go out and follow the reporter for the day and, you know, see what they do, learn from them. Mm-hmm. And, and I really enjoyed his work. And so I say, Mike, can I go with you? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, sure. You, you know, you can go out with me. Like um, yeah. <laughs> and then so, uh, you know, I go back inside. So well, I'm going to be inside, you know, whenever you're ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, that taught me also to follow the reporter everywhere you go. But Mike left me. Oh no! <laughs> they Mike. left me. I went. I went outside. I was like, "Yo, have you seen Mike?" And they were like, "Oh, he's gone." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Gone." So then, so here's the thing. You know, <laughs> look, you got to make the best of the situation. Um, I went back in. I went to the producers and I said, "Yo, you know, I'm still here. Do you mind if I write a few stories?" Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh, okay." And they gave me a few stories. There were three stories to write. Wrote the stories, and the producer said, "Oh, you can write." Mm-hmm. And I was like. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so taking that class again. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, it really served me well. And um, I remember there was an uh, opening for an associate producer. An associate mm-hmm. producer is a, a writer, and it was for the morning show when it was Chris uh, Anderson and Markova Reed. I remember yeah. Markova. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss yeah, her. Yeah, she, so she's still like mm-hmm. a. She was a big mentor of mine, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm still cool with Chris too. Uh, and so I, I, I remember I was um, applying for a job there. And they said, you should apply. 
And I said, uh, I'm still in school. I don't think I'll do that. And it was Stephanie Skurlock. Mm, oh, I love her. Who, who, I, still, I love her. She, she, she's yes. a mentor still to this day. And she said, boy, you better apply for that okay, job. You uh, she got mama on me. Huh? She was like, you better apply for that. I applied for that. Got the job. Mm. So I was riding overnight uh, while still in college. And then uh, I wow. did something that was kind of stupid. What did you do? So they, get, you know, they offered me the job. And I told her, I said, well... I, I want it and I'm really happy, but I just want you to know, I want to be a reporter, so I probably won't be here that long. Mm, you told them that. Yeah. And now I look back <laughs> on it, it's like, what, what were you thinking? But you know what? Wow. I mean, it was that was the drive in me. It was like, look, mm-hmm. I appreciate this, and I'm going to do my best. And I did. I worked my butt off. Mm-hmm. And I'm the kind of person where I want you to tear my work apart. You can say, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the reporters there, he was like, oh, I showed him a story once uh, when I was interning. He said, oh, you want the truth? And I was like, yeah. He said, this is crap. Mm-hmm. He said, go write it again. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I want you to tell me that because I need you to tiptoe around my emotions. And I think within this industry, because if you necessarily as my mentor don't tear me apart, viewers will or Mm -hmm. the the managers will. And you won't get the job. So you want people to to make you the best. It really did build me up. And, you know, that might be the Memphis thing. And, you know, you're like, look, you got to have tough skin. And and, and that's what this industry requires, tough skin, because Mm -hmm. people are going to talk about you. People are going to say what they want to say. But you, you know, I can take it. There's nothing you can say to me that's going to hurt me. Yes. And you know what? I'm glad that you said that, Marcus, (laughs) because this is the perspective I want from you as a male in TV news, um, it's just stark differences, of course, with the ladies that I've had that are in news on the podcast. They have treacherous stories mm. of misogyny, of degrading conversations from men. It's always mm-hmm. men telling them, hey, you need to change your look. Hey, you looking too old today. Um, I need you to wear something different, you know, but I'm never I, I don't have the men's perspective yet. Well, let me tell you this. That's true. That it happens. I've seen it. I've heard it. Um, I have, you know, some of my closest friends are in this industry and the things that they've told me that they've, you know, dealt with or heard. And, you know, I think the the news industry is no different than any other industry. For men, we are looked at as we get older, as more wise, more authoritative. You know, we can handle these things. Women are expected to be youthful, cheerful, beautiful at all times. Um, and not in every situation. I don't. I don't want to make that like every newsroom is like that, but it happens a lot mm-hmm. within this industry and in, in, in every industry. Um, and I think they do have to deal with it a lot more than men. You know, we're just able, just go get it. You know, mm-hmm. be tough, and that's all we need to do. And and you know, you know, once I start going gray, that's looked at. Oh, he's wise. A girl starts going gray. It's like, ooh, she's getting old. That is crazy, Mark. But that's life. And you know, and I'm not saying like, oh, oh well, that's life. No, that's just that's life. That's, that's the industry. And I have, though. and and I think that it is changing in many ways. There are, but you know, with that said, there are many uh, places within markets or cities where you see women are running it who have, you know, I I have to think about Atlanta. I remember when I first went there when I was younger, there was an anchor, uh, if you know anything about it, Monica Kaufman or Monica Pearson before she retired. She, you know, and she had short, natural blonde hair Mm -hmm. and then it went gray and she had gray hair. And so, you know, but she ran, she was like a fox. Right. Looking good and doing it. And she had the respect. So, I mean, there are situations and places where women are running things and doing it, Um, you know, most all but one of my stations have been run by women. Mm. You know, my news director and my general manager, women. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in Baltimore, my news director, a woman, Tulsa, woman, Nashville. Yeah, all my stations except the first one. And even when I was at WRG, mm-hmm. uh, the first person to hire me 
Michelle wow. Gores. Yeah, I still remember her name. Yeah, so a woman. So amazing. I've I've been under you know the leadership of women, and I think women are amazing leaders. I I, I trust them. I, I think they are amazing. I'm not just saying that, but mm-hmm. it, it really is a, a difference I notice. Yes, and 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 I'm glad you said that it's evolving. It is um, as well. Um, speaking of evolving, let's just talk about how media has evolved in the sense of you know we no longer have to go to. TV news to get the news. And you all probably, your sources are different now. Like, the way that you're pulling these stories together. Let's talk about, like, the evolution. Since you joined the news world, what have you seen, Marcus? How has social media (laughs) impacted your journey? Back in the olden days. (laughs) Um, Look, when I first started, there was no such thing as Facebook. Mm -hmm. Uh, Facebook came in my first on-air TV job, which was in Charlottesville, Virginia. But it was just a college thing. And I remember, you know, some of my friends, if you had an .edu account, you Mm -hmm. could get on Facebook. I just so happened to have one. University of Memphis allowed you to keep it for a few years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I got on there. But it was just nothing. But now it's it's a source of news. Mm-hmm. People within news don't necessarily like that always. And, I I, know. and let me tell you why. Because <laughs> everyone feels that they are a journalist because they saw something or they say something. I said it. And then someone said, well, where did you find that out? Oh, I saw it on Facebook. Well, there's not the same. It's not the same thing. You know, NBC, Facebook. Eh, right. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that you saw something happen. You saw a wreck in front of your house. You saw it. You saw, you know, that. Mm-hmm. But then somebody's like, oh, my friend said this, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And they type it. And it's like, well, actually, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It was this that happened. Oh, well, that's, what, <laughs> you know, and people think that. I think it's great. It's a great, I think social media has been great. It's a way to get out information quickly with Twitter. Um, you can go on the scene. You can report all about it. Um, but I think in the hands of the wrong person, it's it's a scary situation. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, bad. look at some of the leadership that we've had in this country. Yes, exactly. Who got banned from a certain social media site. I'm just saying. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Um <laughs> Do you all feel that you're in competition with these? No. Well, there is a sense of competition, but do I feel that we're in competition? No. I mean, I, I feel that we provide a sense of credibility that just because a person says it on Credibility. Facebook, I'm cred- glad you said that. It's important. That. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing about it is we don't report news just because we heard it. We have to fa- we check, you know, fact check it more than twice. We have sometimes two, three sources before we come out with information. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you hear it from... Many of the news sources, it's actual information. Mm-hmm. This is how it goes. And and here's the thing. I think people need to be mindful of. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean that it's not true. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't like that or that I hate the term fake news and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, look, just because mm-hmm. you don't like what I'm telling you, it's just fact. Here it is in black and white. That's the law. What do you want me to say? Right. You know, I, and something I learned early on is like, you know, I report the facts and respect the truth. That's what I give you. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't have an I do have an opinion, but when I give the news, I try to deliver it in a way where it's just it does not it's not my opinion. Mm-hmm. This is just what it is. Yes. So and that's become a challenge. I bet. I now. bet because you know, I can have a conversation with my 16-year-old and well mom, I just saw it on my phone on YouTube. I don't care that you saw it on right. YouTube. And then with deep fake and all that kind of stuff where they yes. can make it sound like you saying something but you didn't say it. That's scary. Crazy. That's scary when you see stuff like that. So I, mm-hmm. I think we have to be mindful of where we're getting our information. I'm not saying that the information you get from certain places isn't true, mm-hmm. but I would be 
hesitant to share it as much. Definitely, definitely. Now, you co-host Race in America, yes. The Conversation. Emmy-nominated. Emmy-nominated. <laughs> I want you to tell the verbally effective audience about this show and how did it come about? Yeah, so Race in America is something we started in the wake of George Floyd and the death uh, of George Floyd. And, of course, there was so much conversation um, about mistreatment of black people um, at the hands of police. I come from a place where I lived in uh, Baltimore, Maryland during Freddie Gray. I don't know mm. if you all remember I that. I remember that. Uh, in 2015. So I had somewhat experience, like firsthand experience out on the streets as buildings are going up on fire, people running, smashing windows. I was there. Like, mm. I was in the trenches of that when it's happening. So I see it. But one thing I learned there, which was so important for me, um, in telling these stories. One, I come from Memphis. I'm from Orange County. I've seen certain things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I know that just because someone's arrested doesn't necessarily mean they're they're guilty of something. So the perspective that I was able to bring was that, you know, what happened to Freddie Gray, what happened to George Floyd, what happened to Philando Castile, that people weren't angry because it just happened to them. It's because that also happened to me, mm-hmm. my brother, my cousin, my uncle. You know, I saw that happen in front of me to a friend. And so the anger that so many people had wasn't just, you know, over that situation. And it wasn't like, oh, I want to tear up my community. It's like, I want you to hear me. It's kind of like, you know, when you've been talking so much and you're trying to tell someone and then and they just don't hear what you're saying mm-hmm. and you just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, Race in America, what that provided was this this outlet in this voice that we were able to provide. It's me along with uh, Jessica Giddy, who's uh, an anchor at our station as well. And we talked about race from the black perspective, from the Latino perspective, which is really huge in the Bay Area. And we talked about, you know, why this is happening, the history of it. And it was uninterrupted conversations, raw conversations about what was happening. It was the conversation of a father having to talk to his eight or ten year old son um, about, you know, when you go out, this is what you should do. When you get your license at 16, this is what these are the conversations that people are like. I didn't know you had to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, we all had that conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I had once when um, we were talking on air and it was this uh, reporter for NBC and she she just wrote a piece about her son. Um, she, that around that time, she just hugged her son tighter that mm-hmm. day. And it made me think of my mother. Mm-hmm. And I'm my mother's only son. And I broke down on TV. It's, it's like, you know, that's something you don't do. But it was, yeah. but there was like this raw, unfiltered, you know, we wanted to people to see. And I wasn't trying to do that, but it happened. And I didn't stop myself because of the where we were in that space. And it allowed uh, people to see like, yo, just because you see me on television in a suit, just because I'm this person... Um, I fear that it could happen to me. Mm-hmm. When I'm in my car and no one knows who I am, it can happen to me. I can be stopped and I can make the wrong move and I can be shot, mm-hmm. you know? And I think um, also it comes to the story when I lived in Baltimore, I had a photographer. We, when the thing about reporters and photographers, we work in the car together. We're together all the time. You guys spend a lot of time, time together. Yeah. So, so we become really close in, in some ways. And I remember we were in Baltimore, and, and I remember saying, like, man, that could have been me, man. You know, just talking about situations. And he was like, man, no, man, you worked your ass off, da-da-da-da-da. You, you deserve this. And I was like, wait, hold up. I said, I didn't say I didn't. Let's get that right. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, like, no, it could have been me. Please don't get it twisted just because who I am or what I do that I'm different than any old person on the street. Mm-hmm. I am a black man in America, and that's it. 
All the other things are just something someone puts on me, but I am a black man at the end of the day, and that can happen to me. Mm-hmm. And we had this pact after that. Um, this is a white man that in this car, you can ask me anything. You don't have to worry about me saying, like, is that racist? Like, you don't have to worry about that. We can we can peel back the layers of that and, mm-hmm. and talk about it. And he told me later that, you know, that meant so much to him that he was able to to express, ask questions, and he had a better understanding of things that he just never thought about. And it's a lot of them like that. It is. We have to, in a space where, of course, we get tired of talking about what it's like to be black. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. we live it every day. But at the same time, if you have someone who is truly interested in in having an an honest, raw conversation and and, and able to turn the mirror on themselves as well, I think it's worth taking advantage of that. Definitely. Because you can teach them something. You can learn something. I mean, I've learned a lot uh, about some of the challenges within the Latino community. I mean, that's a huge community in the Bay Area. Yeah, their percentage is about, Oh, my gosh. Over 50? No, it's not over 50. Not over 50? But it's close. Yeah. It's close. It's like white is majority, then Latino, then Asian, then I think Indian, and then black. (laughs) So so you see, and I was like, this which is Bay Area. It was the first place that I was a minority of the minorities. Wow. Yeah. How is it? How is it like walking down the street when you off work? Like, wh- how is San Francisco? Like, San take Francis- me to San Francisco. Well, San Francisco. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. It really is. Visually, it's a beautiful place. Please, when you visit San Francisco, if you have not, don't come in shorts and tank tops and flip flops, thinking that it's going to be nice and warm. That's not. Now, San this week Frank. it was. I think it was like eighty three. So, mm-hmm. but no, it's cold. Oh. We have a lot of fog. We're right there on the coast, so you get a lot of fog. So sometimes, you know, it could easily, but there's no humidity. So, I mean, it's 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 beautiful in that sense. But, you know, 83, 86 is a, a good day. Mm-hmm. In San Francisco proper, we have what we call microclimates. It's a whole little geography. Uh, microclimates. Yeah, microclimates. So what is it that? Will be, it will be 83 degrees, say 83 degrees in San Francisco. It'll be 86 degrees in Oakland, which is right across the bridge, right across the water. That's like Memphis and uh, West Memphis, Arkansas. Wow. So right across the bridge. And then you have San Jose, which is a little bit farther south. It'll be like 92. I like San Jose. <laughs> Look, me and my coworkers at the time, we got on a yacht and went on the water. I yeah. was like, yes. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful place. It's fun. It's very diverse. And when I say diverse, it's not like what we, I, I think, growing up here in Memphis, it was very black, white. That was diverse. Mm-hmm. No, it's black, white, Asian, Indian. It's people from the, uh, Europe. It's it's any and everything you can think about. Biracial, multiracial. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, and people don't think about race as much. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I tell people there, you know, I said, I think about, race every time I walk into a room. Mm-hmm. I think, I look around how many black people in the room, you know, what... Still to this day. I do it every day. Yeah. You know, not so much as work anymore because, I mean, work has become like home. I mean, I've been there almost five years now. Mm-hmm. But like, when I walk into a room, I don't know. I look around and just kind of gauge what it is. But, you know, people think that, oh, because this is, you know, Bay Area, it's so free, it's so loving. And it is. There's racism there too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you just search online, you've seen situations that happen there when, when people are targeted and you can't see any other reason other than their their race. Wow. You know, barbecue Becky, I think you may have heard that, uh-huh. where the woman called the police on people who were cooking barbecue at a park in Crazy. Oakland. Uh, they called the police on the little kid who was selling water. Uh, you know, it's just like, come on, you know, certain situations. And um, But it's not just targeting black people. It's targeting Hispanic people as well. So, uh-huh. you know, I, I think that's something that uh, some of the Hispanic people that, I, that I'm cool with, we kind of bond over, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, some of the situations. So I, I, I definitely can see that. Um, 
you've been there five years. Um, are you going to stay? Are you coming back to the M? Are you going uh, to a bigger market? What's next you know, for market? You know what? Because people, you know, uh, my family, my pops asked me that the other, this morning. He's like, mm-hmm. wait, what about coming back here? Because you're still young in I, this you field. Know, I, you know, would I, I would say I'm not opposed to coming back home. It has not been in my plan to come back home. Okay. I think probably like three or four years within my career uh, probably would have been a really good time. But I went to <coughs> Tulsa, Oklahoma instead. Mm-hmm. Not because I had the option to come here, mm-hmm. but I, I think I felt that I needed to grow more. And Memphis was a place where I could just I knew it. It was so familiar. So I didn't have to try a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving. I mean, I've lived in six cities within the last 17 years or so since I've been wow. gone. Which one has been your fave? They all hold a special place, but I think Baltimore because it was so much like Memphis. Really? Baltimore so, is like Memphis look, in what ways? Every, every aspect you can think about. So what? it's it's a blue cottage city, city, but at the same time, it's like, it's like that grit, that grind. Mm-hmm. People love their city. They have challenges, you know, but they love Baltimore, mm-hmm. you know, and they say Baltimore, not Baltimore. 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 Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So, you know, and it's and it's just it's just a passion that they have. And it was so interesting because I remember people would think like, oh, aren't you from Baltimore? And I was like, no, no, I'm from Memphis. And they were like, oh, for real? <laughs> and I remember one time I went to this guy, you know, I, you know I'm like in the. In, in Baltimore, like in it, and you know, and this dude, I was like, "Yo, can I say?" He's like, "Man, you probably live in the county." And I, and I was like, "Dude, uh, first you just of all, don't know. I live in the city, <laughs> which I lived in the city of Baltimore." And I said, "And I'm from Memphis." And I said, "You know, about MJG Orange Mount." He, he was like, "He, he knew what's he looked up." Looked at me like that. He was like, "Ah, oh, okay." It was like so. So people people respect Memphis and, and other yes. places. They know, but it, but at the same time, it was like this. It wasn't like I was like, "Yo, yo," you know. It was mm-hmm. just like, "Yo, I respect you," but look. Trust, this is just a suit. Don't, right. I, I get Don't I know play. Guys, Don't you know? play with the so, M. So it, 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 and that was respect, and I got a lot of respect, I think, <laughs> because I gave respect mm-hmm. in those situations, and, and Memphis taught me that. So. Wow. <laughs> and you know what? You've come a long way because you're now at an NBC affiliate. Um, and just speaking about the media here in Memphis now, there are a lot of shakeups, a lot of changes. My girl Kanji leaving. Yeah, Kanji. Janine left. Yes. Oh, they all leaving Channel Five at that. You know, I mean, I you know, I don't, I don't know why. You know, they're leaving or what the situations surrounding, but I know it's it's tough because. I know for a fact Kanji has been here for for quite a, a long while. time and a seasoned right. And I've anchor. I've met her on so when I worked in Nashville, we worked at stories together um, mm-hmm. during statewide elections and stuff like that. And I was seeing. I remember going up to her and saying, "Oh yeah, I'm from Memphis. I used to. Mm-hmm. I hate to say like I used to watch you because I don't think we're that much apart in age. But you know, mm-hmm. it's just the fact that you know she's been here and she's holding that spot next to Joe Birch. You know, for me that's like Your whoa, boy. yeah. You know, <laughs> and so and she does it so well. You know, and I and I think that she represents well. And I hate to see her go, but you know, I look at it as you know, I'm looking forward to who may one day you know fill that seat. I mean, that's yeah. a that's a coveted seat. It and is. So you know, Merle Purvis sat in that seat before. You know, so, Merle. Yeah, y'all remember yes. that back in the day. <laughs> oh, I do. I definitely do. Now, has there ever been a story that you wanted to to talk about but couldn't because of maybe the station's agenda or something that you just really want to get into, but no. No. You know, know, when I say I am blessed when it comes to where I have worked, I am blessed. Mm -hmm. I have never been in a station where I hated. Mm -hmm. I have never had horrible management. Mm -hmm. I have have friends who have stories that I 
I probably would have left the business if I had to deal with some of the things they've dealt with. But I, 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 I genuinely enjoy the people that I work with. My mm-hmm. co-anchor now, we are, we have this connection, this strength. We say the same things. Where you know she's she's from Central Valley, you know, uh, California. I'm mm-hmm. from Memphis. You know, she's a Latina. I'm black. Mm-hmm. You know, but we 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 just connect on a certain way. And I really enjoy working with her. And the same when I wa- worked in Baltimore, I, I just really enjoy who I work with. Mm-hmm. I have been able to do stories with Race in America. I have been able to do stories of I love. I used to have this thing where I love doing stories about the elderly and just kind of their challenges, but also their joy. And I was able to do that in Nashville. I think I was able to touch on a lot of stories with black people and race when I worked in Baltimore. So it's, it is like I have not had that situation where I'm like, I really want to do this, but they won't let me. Mm-hmm. I have not had that. So I, I don't have that drama or that story to tell you. But, I, you know, I've been, I think about it all the time, when, when, especially when I hear my friends talk about it. I am so blessed. Yes, you are. And, and you got a lot more TV to do, too. I've, you know, I pray that I got another good 40 in me. Oh, look how you say that another good 40. <laughs> a lot of 40. If, look, if I can make it 40, that's, that's going to be a long you gonna time. going to be up Actually, there you know like Dan Rather around 30, this I'll be good at 30, but, you know, if I can get yeah. 40 in, you know. Because, I mean, the thing about it is I, 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 I get up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. I do morning news. So I get up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I get up every morning. What is your routine in the morning? <laughs> so I get up. Well, the first alarm goes off mm-hmm. <laughs> at like 2.00. 45. Yeah. And then I put another one on the other side of the room where I have to get up and walk. To, mm-hmm. to, and then I get up. Make you get up. I roughly get up about 2.50. And then uh, I shower. And then I and I drive into work, listen to the radio. Sometimes sometimes it's like I listen to the news. Sometimes I'm listening to something to crump. You know, mm-hmm. just, just get me up. And then um, I get in. We talk about the stories that we're going to do. It's real quick. And then we go on air at 4.30. And we're on from 4.30 to 7.00. Wow. And then uh, we get off, and then we do others. We do little cut-ins, you know, news cut-ins in the morning. We do, I do an online newscast after that. Um, and then we have a midday newscast at 11 o'clock, so I do that as well. Mm-hmm. Then after that, I'm done for the day. So my day ends at 11.30. That is a nice schedule yeah, when so you I think can, about I can, it. But you're sleepy. <laughs> oh, so, like, when you clock out, you like, I'm I go home. Typically, I, I eat lunch quickly, and I take a nap. I get up. I go to the gym. Uh, and then if I have it in me, I'll stay up. And if someone wants to do something, I always tell people, give me 24-hour notice so I can plan my body to stay up later. It's a lifestyle. It, it's tough. Real. But I but I, I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I wouldn't, well, I would change some things. But <laughs> for the most part, like, I mean, if I could get up later, I would. Yeah. But I love that shift. I love I love the mm-hmm. energy of a morning show. I love the, the versatility of a morning show. It's one where we're, we're serious. We're talking about what's going on in Ukraine right now. But we're also talking about fun stuff as well. And we have yeah. that, that flexibility to, to be lively and, and, and jovial, you know. Yes. So, um, and I enjoy it. And I can sing in the morning sometimes and all that kind of stuff. So. Okay. Because you've had a couple of viral moments, a few viral moments. Because y'all do the dances <laughs> yeah, with the like, whole so, you know, station. We do a, we do a few dances. I've, you know, I've done dances. I, you know, I the love challenges. dances. Yeah, like yes. we pick up some of those challenges. Janelle <laughs> Wang, which is uh, uh, one of the anchors at my station, we'll do stuff mm-hmm. together. I love doing that. I kind of did some things back in the day uh, by myself, but then you know she wanted. She was like, "Hey, let's do this," and I was like, "Cool." And people really, really enjoy it. They do. It, they it's, do. It's fun. You it's know, like a feel good. Yeah, you know, because the thing about we talk about some serious stuff and some mm-hmm. things that just make you not want to watch TV, which a lot of yes. people say. Um, 
but at the end of the day, you know, we, we want to let people know, like, hey, we like to have fun, too. Yes. And speaking of fun, uh-huh. let's jump into Esco's Pop Talks. Okay. y'all, you know, talking about serious, okay, talking okay. about fun. Like, n- normally I stay in my own business until, okay. until I'm told to talk about it. Business. So let's, let's, get, let's get in somebody else's business. <laughs> yes, Esco's Pop Talk, we're talking about the latest and greatest pop culture news. Now, this is a story that has definitely been matriculating. Uh, since the Oscars. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you already know Smack. what I'm about to say. <laughs> Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. This has never been done before. I mean, no one expected it. Uh, what were your first thoughts when you saw that? I thought it was a joke, a skit. I did, too, even after it. Because I, I went to a concert that night, so I wasn't, like, watching it. And, and, you know, a friend of mine was like, oh, look at this. And I thought, oh, why did they do this skit? Okay, but I went on. But then I was at the concert, and I was like, Wait a minute, why is this everybody? Like, we sent out, we get these alerts, mm-hmm. you know? We sent out an alert and I was Blowing like, up, I was like, why did we send out? I was like, wait, yes. did that really happen? And I was like, yo. And then I went out and I did record it. Mm-hmm. Went back, watched it, and I said, wow. Yeah. I was shocked. That. Yeah. You know, um, but Will was wrong. Okay. You why know? you say Will was wrong? Because, man, look, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I'm not Will, and I, you know, I know, I understand Jada's going through, you know, uh, health issues with that, with alopecia. I get it, but what he said, and I look at it as GI Jane. I don't know if anybody's seen GI Jane. That was a very powerful empowerment yes. movie. GI Jane was strong, and, sh- and shaving her hair was also a, a, a show of strength. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I took it as that. But I don't know what she's going through, and I understand that. But to get on stage in the middle of a show, like, you had time to think about it. It wasn't like Chris was, like, right there in front of him. Right. He was laughing at first. Yeah. And that's what I wondered. You know, everybody was like, and then Jada looked at him like, hmm, what would Tupac do? Right. <laughs> well, we know that did not happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we can laugh about a lot of that now. But I, I uh-huh. think it's 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 it was irresponsible. Uh, from for Will Smith to to get up there and do that. I mean, think of Will Smith. I mean, he is whether you want to be or not, he is a role model for a lot of people. And and that was just, just, just it's not acceptable. I mean, I, you know, I, it wasn't responsible. It was just, and you know, and and I and I respect Chris Rock for how he handled it. Yes, now, if he had done something differently, I don't know if I would have been. Man, you would have been mad. At I wouldn't him. have been mad because mm-hmm. I just I don't th- I, it just wasn't right. Yeah, you know. Um, and then he has the uh, now Will Smith has been banned from the for academy 10 years. for a decade, which he is, can no longer go. So what? He but, don't care. And I saw something, I had, and I have, and I just saw it like right before I left, and I thought I saw something that, like he can still be receive nominated. An, yeah, he yeah, can receive. Which I don't one. understand. Well, what's the point of? Uh, suspending someone if you can still because the point is to get the award trust me I'm a part of an academy with the Emmys Mm -hmm. if you said I I was suspended but I could still get an Emmy (laughs) then okay what are you suspending me for you wouldn't care you know what I'm saying so I mean I I think it is a show of like look you can't go around doing stuff like Mm -hmm. that especially on that platform and Mm -hmm. so yeah 10 years I think it was a just punishment Um, should have been harsher no, I don't think he should have had his award. He earned that award. Mm-hmm. I saw that movie. He earned that award. He earned yeah. it probably for that a couple of movies. That was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, he should have got an Oscar before this Yeah, time. a couple of movies that will <laughs> certainly deserved an Oscar. But, mm-hmm. you know, he deserved that. So, I mean, you know, but um, don't do it again, Will. Don't do it and again. And don't do it at school. And you know what? A lot of people are comparing this situation. They're trying to compare, um, okay, Will can no longer participate at the Oscars. But what about Harvey Weinstein? But Harvey didn't go on stage and hit somebody right. in, and, on live TV. Right. It's, now, he did some it's bad stuff. It's not apples and apples. It's a, that's a totally different <laughs> and And that's, I mean, I wouldn't even compare the two for what, you they know, are. Harvey Weinstein has been charged with. And, you know, I mean, that's... 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, he's he's horrible. You're right. So I wouldn't compare those things, you know. Mm-hmm. And and again, they didn't take the award from him. If they took it from, if they had taken the award away from him, then that would have been probably that something been to a talk about. For me. Yeah, it would have been a problem for me too. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I think you know what happened. Just all, you know, all the other stuff. Don't compare those. No. Yes. Don't yes. even put those in because no, it's not the same. You know what? Um, to continue Esco's Pop Talk, I'm going to get into a serious topic. Um, and you've mentioned this since we've been talking, the Ukraine war. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it seems like Putin is not backing down. I know you guys do a lot of coverage on mm-hmm. this because this this is still ongoing. Where do you think this is going to end? You know, I, that's that's the scary part. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at it every day and, and I, I know or knew when it first started that it wasn't going to be a short-lived Mm-hmm. Invasion war, mm-hmm. um, but it is very. It's a good thing to see how you how um, Ukraine is actually standing up mm-hmm. for their country and how they. I don't think Russia expected what they got. Right, they are standing their ground. For it's them. almost like Ukraine said, "Run up, get done up." Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like seriously, like you hear about, like you know, over in some of the um, some of the cities with, within Ukraine, is like you know, Ukraine is actually mm-hmm. taking over it mm-hmm. from the from the Russian troops and things like that. So, I, I, I mean, I, I hope I don't think that we're going to see America jump in there as in fighting. No, we're going to provide. Uh, press secretary said, right. no, that's yeah, we're going to provide things to them, but we're not going to mm-hmm. to jump in there and fight. We're not going to send troops over there and things like that. So I don't think we're going to see that. But it, it, I think it's going. I think we we could. See, I'm not an expert on this by any means, but I, I could see this going on for quite a while. Yeah. Not years, but, but quite a while. But, yeah. but if it is years, then you can say I was wrong. You know, it almost makes me wonder if the United States was attacked. Would we respond the same way? Like, will we fight out I, here? I think so. I think so. I think, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I know I would. And I might not, I don't know how, if I'm going to survive or not, mm-hmm. but you can't come over and take over our land. Yeah. First of all, my fa- my people work too hard for the land. Okay. We're still trying to get credit for that. <laughs> but, like, you now you're not going to tell me to take this, you mm-hmm. know. So I think that we would. I don't think we would have to. Um, because of our infrastructure here. Right, just kind of how we're based. I think we have good relations with, with uh, Canada and Mexico. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> challenging with the Mexico. But I, but I think as far yeah. as something like that, I think it, it would be it'd be a long time before we see something like that happen. Yeah. Um, I think it is like the fear of like missiles coming from uh, China. Yes, yeah. that's a big fear. You can't do yeah. nothing about that. So, I mean, but um, I don't even want to say I don't think that could happen. But, I mean, it's, that's a scary situation. But yeah. I, I, I just hope that. Those who should be watching closely are watching closely. Yes, pay and attention again, to the facts. Run up, get done up. Run up, get done up, and <laughs> that, whoop that trick. <laughs> whoop that whoop trick. That tr- <laughs> for you, the, for those who don't know, that is a song. <laughs> a Memphis song. <laughs> I play. You know what? I always play Memphis music for my peeps in California. And how do they respond? <sighs> I like, play, play it again, Marcus. I, you know, I play Three Six Marv. I play Project Pat. I play um, play uh, whoever, like whatever I can think of, mm-hmm. and and, and uh, La Chat, like anything. And, and they're like, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's some Bay Area stuff that I'm like, eh, I don't feel that like yeah. that. But with Memphis stuff, come on, like it's mm-hmm. and and one of my friends just yesterday. Um, Hit me up with I can't remember what song it was, but it was some song that came on their playlist, and they were like, "I can't believe this." I guess because you know <laughs> but I'm introducing, you know, I'm spreading the word yes. from coast to coast. You got to keep Memphis alive everywhere you go. Yeah, look, I, I love Memphis so much, and like I said, it's so funny because I have some friends in DC, and it's a group of 
us from Memphis that li- I, when I lived in Baltimore, they lived in D.C. And they said, y'all Memphis people, y'all rap hard. Yeah. We're like, yeah. <laughs> that's what we Memphis, do. I mean, that's, I, I mean, I can't tell you how much I love Memphis. And, you know, yeah, I haven't lived here for some time, but I there is not a time where I don't talk about Memphis. I don't rep Memphis. I mean, it's just when you're happy and love something, mm-hmm. you talk about it, right? Yes. And so I, I, I just love the city. The city made me who I am. It mm-hmm. gave me the confidence. It, you know, I... I am truly prepared for everything that I have faced in life because of where I grew up. From from people checking me, from oh, <laughs> that make you strong, right. Donnie. No, you know, go little foot, big head. Yes, yeah. that's definitely happening in Memphis. Yeah, so you know, wow. Joan and me, you know, so you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, I, and I talk about Joan and you know, I say mm-hmm. stuff like that, and, and they be like, what? "What's that?" You know, and then flodging. You know, yes. only a few people in, in flodging. You flodging. Yeah, so it was. I was in. The, I was in the um, barber shop, and and um, my barber is Hispanic, and he was like, "Yo, do y'all have the same you know food like y'all do here, like we do here?" Like, and I was like, "Yeah, same food. Food is food." And he was like, "No, you have like a lot of Mexican places and stuff like that." I said, "Uh, uh the Hispanic population not that big there like that, so we don't." But then it was a dude like over in the next chair. He was like, "Yo, when you go home, get some Jack Purtles." I was like, "What? We know yeah, about Jack Purtles." He was like, "Yo, yo, I, you know, I, I used to live in Orange Man. I was like, "What?" You know, so you my people. We everywhere. Just so you know, we everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And you are everywhere. What's the next market? Oh. See, I'm trying to get you to tell you look, me. Look, I you know, and I and I can say this because I have talked to my boss about this. You know, um I just said that, you know, I would love like a dream job would be on the Today Show. Yes, I'm not, I can see you. I'm on not the looking Today to replace show. you know, like, oh, you're gonna take no, it's not like that. It's mm-hmm. just like, yo, I wanna be on there in some capacity. I don't know how that's gonna be and, and how it will be. I'm putting it out there. I used to wouldn't say stuff like that, but like now Put I say, you know, there. I want you know, that is that would be a dream job for me to be on the Today Show. And she said, you know what? I would do whatever I can to help you get there if the opportunity came up for you. Yes. So, you know, it's just like, you know, I I love my boss, so it's it's easy to talk to her about that. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to leave, but you know, mm-hmm. if the right opportunity comes up. It I can comes see up. you on the Today Show. Look, here. I hope you all can see it. And, and I'm glad it. that you've had a very blessed career in these good situations. You and know? I just want to say, look, I am proud of you. Thank you. I am I, the verbally <laughs> effective. I'm truly like when I say this, I am a fan. I listen to it on the treadmill when I'm like I seriously do. Yes. I can tell you about a couple of when your brother was here. <laughs> yes. I, when Kanji, oh, I, like I listened to all, and that was a couple of years ago. Like mm-hmm. I seriously listen to your podcast. I am so proud of you. When Thank we met, you. I remember meeting you for the first time on the yard, University of I Memphis. I remember. Yeah. I remember. You were coming over, <laughs> and it was like a step show, and, mm-hmm. and I was just like, you and Tanya. Mm-hmm. And oh, I, you remember Tanya? Yes. I remember y'all. I remember <laughs> y'all over there all the time, and I just, I was like, yo, I like them. Mm-hmm. And then we would see each other all the time, and you were just always gracious and just nice, and, and I am so proud of you. Thank you I just want so you to know that. Thank you so much, Marcus. I appreciate that. It's good to hear that, especially from another person in the industry, right? Right. Like, you know you own the I remember you on the radio, Ina Double E on the radio. You know, yeah. I remember that. Yes. I was so proud of you then because I was like, yo, I know her. Yes, yes. Well, I am proud of you too, Marcus. Thank you. I mean, Thank you, you know, you, you really put Memphis on the map out here on the west side, you know, Represent. in the Bay Area. Yay, area. Yes. I want you to let the verbally effective audience know all of your social media handles, how they can continue to follow your journey. Yeah, so look, I'm always on Facebook. You can find me on my work Facebook it's Marcus Washington NBC Bay Area you can find me on Twitter it's Marcus NBC and you can find me on Instagram which is M underscore dub world it's M underscore D-U-B W I mean W-O-R-L-D 
Yes. Uh, Emmy Award winning journalist. Emmy Award winning, yes. Future Today Show correspondent <laughs> or anchor. Yes. Thank you, Marcus, so much for joining me today. Thank you. I truly enjoyed you. Good to see you while you're in town as well. I hope you enjoy the rest of your visit here. Thank you so much. I'm glad you fit me in. Yes, yes. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in yet again to another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Please, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Ina Esco. Also, Please subscribe to the podcast, Verbally Effective, on all streaming platforms. We got some big announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks. I will keep you guys posted. But until then, I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in.